0: Well, good morning. good morning! Happy Anniversary! Wow, we got, we got a lot of youth group with us this morning. Cool. Very, very cool. Love you guys. Great to have you with us, which is, which is very appropriate for today. So, that's good. Morning Zoomers! Good to have you with us this morning. We got some Zoomers, right? Yeah, I can't see you like you can see me, but... Anyway, well... On November 24th, 1796, as Irv uh, alluded to a little bit earlier, a number of Baptist believers in and around the area felt moved by the Lord to start a local church. So they wrote to an elder, David Irish, in Scipio, that was the big town apparently at that time, uh, to see if he and some from their church would come and meet with them. So they met on January 18th, 1797, to discuss the matter, and convened an official council on February 11th. Having then received their blessing, the First Baptist Church of Farmington was formed on February 13th, today, 1797. And as a lot of you know, the geography was divided after that, and that church became the first Baptist church of Manchester. And here we are, 225 years later. Thank you, Jesus. On this exact day, the anniversary of our beginning, I wonder how many souls are in heaven directly or indirectly, because of this church. Because of the Holy Spirit working through this church, right? I wonder how many lives were changed. I wonder how many tons of food have been eaten in this church (laughs) in the last 225 years. I was going to say prepared here, but a lot of it's prepared at home and brought, right? And the last question is this. Why has this church stood the test of time? I believe that there are four reasons. First of all, the grace of God. Right? Absolutely. Without Him, we can do nothing. That's a given, right? Second of all is the love and dedication of wonderful people. And if you look around the room today, you see, we still got that going on big time, right? Amen. So absolutely. The other two reasons I want to take out of Scripture this morning, and I've entitled the message, "The Best of Both Worlds." Turn over first to Jeremiah chapter six and verse 16. Jeremiah 6:16. 6, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Another reason our church has stayed around for 225 years is because we held on to the ancient paths. What does it mean to be Baptist anyway? Well, first, let's talk about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we are better Methodists or Presbyterians or anybody else, right? There is absolutely no place for spiritual pride. The Bible says there is one body of Christ. It's just that within that greater body, uh, there are different groups uh, that have sought to emphasize different doctrines and practices and structures. So, right? Baptists. We're a Baptist church, right? Baptists have emphasized certain doctrines for very good reasons. And I believe it's good for us to understand as we look at our roots this morning. From the American Baptist Church website, says this, American Baptists, Southern Baptists, and all the scores of other Baptist bodies in the U.S. and around the world grew out of a common tradition begun in the early 17th century. That tradition has emphasized the lordship and atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, believers' baptism, the competency of all believers to be in direct relationship with God and to interpret the scripture, the influence of the Holy Spirit on individual lives and ministries, and the need for autonomous congregations free from government interference or hierarchical polity. These beliefs certainly weren't new, right? They went all the way back to the apostles. And yet different groups, large and small, throughout the centuries had gotten away from some of these ancient paths. And the Baptists sought to reclaim them. Let's look at a few of them this morning. Or all of them, actually, that have been mentioned. The atoning sacrifice of Christ. That is, that Jesus Christ's death On the cross, atoned for our sin, right? Paid the full penalty for the sin of mankind. And specifically, yours and mine. Most importantly to each of us, right? As Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, we're not saved by grace, or we're not saved by our own good works, right? Lest anyone boast. No. Right? Saved through faith in Christ save through a belief that his death atoned for our sins. You can see why this doctrine is so important, can't you? If it's not stressed, you have people trusting in their own works, trusting in their own efforts to get to heaven, and sadly are going to fall way, way short on Judgment Day, aren't they? Second mentioned is the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. Philippians 2, there will come a day, right, when every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so even as we look to him as our beloved Savior, right, the one who died for us, we also reverence him in our lives personally as our Lord and Master, right? Right? Without the ultimate authority of Christ, we end up, as happened in the Old Testament, right, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes, and what happens in that situation? Downward spiral, isn't it? So we need this, the Lordship of Christ. Next, let's look at believer's baptism. This is how Baptists got their name. Did you know that? Believers' baptism. What basically happened, I I could, I could, you know, really expand on this, but what basically happened was that the Church of England, uh, through the Middle Ages had gotten to the place where they were teaching basically salvation through church membership. And church membership in large part by baptism. And there was no real qualifications, um, for baptism, no real criteria. For someone to be baptized, you get dunked, you're part of the church, you're in, right? But the Baptists, they looked at scriptures like John 1, 12 to 13, which says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the closing words of Peter's sermon on Pentecost, what did he say? He said, repent and be baptized. Repent. Have a change of heart and mind, right? A change in belief and be baptized. And they said, no, what the Church of England is doing is not right. What they're teaching is not right. It's giving people, again, false hope, right? That their baptism or their church membership is going to get them into heaven. So they stressed the biblical practice of baptizing those who gave personal evidence of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Next, I like this, the competency of all believers to be in direct relationship with God and to interpret Scripture. I stand before you as a teacher, right? Teachers are good. But you can sit with an open Bible yourself and hear from the Lord. right? Why is this so important? All born-again believers, as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 3, have the Holy Spirit living in them. Who will, as we just looked at a few weeks ago, John 16, Jesus said, He is the one who will guide us into all truth. right? If we let go of that truth and we set Oh, no, this person has to interpret the Scriptures. This is the person who has the revelation. This is the person who has the knowledge. You you can't do that, right? What happens? Well, first of all, you have a bunch of people who don't bother to read their Bible. Right? They can't understand it anyway, as they're told, right? And so what happens? They become easy targets for the lies of the enemy. Tell them they're... They'll never attain to this or that or the other thing. They're weak, right? And they're also, number two, open to be controlled by cultic leaders who claim special revelation and authority from God. How many know that Joseph Smith used to attend this church? Tom does, right? But apparently... This church knew their Bibles well enough to say golden glasses, angel Moroni. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's not in the Bible, right? They knew the scriptures well enough. They didn't fall for the heresy. So competency of all believers. That's you, right? If You're in Christ. Next, the influence of the Holy Spirit on individual lives and ministry. Again, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Right? If we are not diligently seeking the wisdom right, and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives and in our church, what, what do we end up doing? We end up trying to walk the Christian walk in our own strength. Trying to do the ministry in our own strength, in the power of the flesh, if you will. So then there's no power, no anointing, and ultimately no real spiritual fruit. We need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Amen? And finally, the need, there's a big long, the need for autonomous congregations free from government influence and hierarchical polity. This is probably most familiar to all of us who sat in history class and learned about the pilgrims, right? They came to this country. Why? Because the centralized Church of England, whose archbishop was appointed by the king or queen, uh, had the final say in what the local church could say and do, okay? Okay. So the upper levels, this is what you can say, this is what you can do. And often that archbishop was appointed by the king or queen. So what you had was a religion, really, that came from political down to the street. That, that was uh, what was allowed, what wasn't allowed, was what the king or queen decided, not what the scriptures taught. And so again... Groups of people said, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't right. We owe allegiance not to that, but we owe allegiance to the Scriptures. So you see how important these doctrines are, right? These truths, these ancient paths. We could say that these doctrines stressed by Baptists uphold the crucial truths of one, salvation through Christ alone. Two, the ultimate authority of Christ. Three, the personal application of scripture. And four, dependency on the Holy Spirit. Very, very critical. Very important. So how many glad you're a Baptist this morning? (laughs) Right? Again, not because that makes you or I better than anyone else, but glad that you hold to the ancient paths. Glad that you hold to these truths and have a church that holds to these truths, right? A church then that um, it, it gives us security, right? Knowing that we can raise our families here, knowing that we're not going to get off into, ooh, you know, weird stuff, right? Knowing that we're on solid biblical ground, confident uh, to, to to bring our friends here, confident to recommend this church to anyone you know, looking for the way, the truth, and the life, right? While doing that, though, while holding, gripping onto those ancient paths and not letting them go, we also need to see today that though the truth never changes, methods used to communicate and impart those truths, do. God himself doesn't always do things the same way. Right? Isaiah chapter forty-three, nineteen says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? Let's think about it for a minute. Let's just kind of go back through the story from the beginning. After the fall of mankind, what happened? A little while later, God flooded the earth and started again. How many times did he do that? Once, thankfully. <laughs> if he was of the same mind, he could do the same thing today, right? In Genesis 11, he confused the languages. Everybody was of one, right? One group, one language, and God had told them to spread out, and they said, No, we're just going to build this tower and make a name for ourselves. God confused the language. I, I, could, I could just see that from God's perspective. You know, here they are working on this tower, and they're, they're going to show who they are. And all of a sudden, this guy says, And God says, what's this." Guys, hand me that hammer, will you? Oh, you're going to You know, had to be hysterical. So God confused the languages; they split off and went uh, as God had said. Then, a while later, what happened? Then God chose one man. Abraham, and through him to start a race of people who would be the light to the world, who would hold on to the truth, that would carry the presence and, and, and the law of God with them, right? One ray. Had he done that before? No. Right? And even within that Jewish nation, what do we see? Over time, we see the judges, right? The time of the judges. After that, God raised up the prophets and did his work through the prophets. And then in the fullness of time, the Bible says God brought his son into the world and everything changed again, didn't it? And it all continued on the same foundational truths, but God had different ways at different times to accomplish his purposes, didn't he? You see it? How many have been out behind the church. Okay, You've seen the playground back there, right? You know what used to be there? Tom does. The, the stalls for the horses used to be back there. <laughs> yeah. no, Tom knows a lot about history. There were horse stalls back there, right? But what happened? The time came that not only was there not a need for stalls... But because there were more and more families where both parents were working outside the home, there became a need in our community for before and after childcare, right? Before and after school. A new opportunity to show love to families and bring the gospel to children. Right? What our church demonstrated is an understanding that changing times and changing cultures will necessitate change. Not of our foundational beliefs, not of the ancient paths, but of the methods that we employ to accomplish God's purposes. The methods we use to communicate that gospel and to reach our culture and community in ways that are relevant to them. Relevant to them. Even though these things were not needed, or Or sometimes even heard of just a generation ago how many people how many people have been at this church thirty years or more okay so here, here's here's the question for you. How many of you who raised your hands found this church because you uh, went to the website and uh no really <laughs> okay. And yet, that's the first step for the culture today. The very first step. You want to find a church? You go online. You start checking out the website. You start seeing what, what the church is all about. So, if we say then, well, because we didn't need a website, then, you know, having a nice looking, informational, and well maintained website is not worth the time, the effort, or the resources, right? We'd be shooting ourselves in the foot, wouldn't we? Okay? So you see, changing culture, changing community, changing methods. It's been said the last seven words of a dying church, but we've always done it this way. Right? What I'm saying is this. The First Baptist Church of Manchester has been around for 225 years. Why? First, because they stayed faithful to the truth. First, because they held on to the ancient paths. Didn't deviate. The foundational doctrines of the faith. And second, because they had the openness and the courage to embrace change when and where it was needed. So that they could communicate and impart those truths in a way that was relevant to the community in which they were living. A community that's changed how many times in the last 225 years, right? A generation needs to be reached, and they did that. A generation who would be there after they were gone, right? To lead this church into the future, keeping it relevant while keeping it faithful to Christ and the Scriptures. Let me close with this, Matthew 13:52. And he, Jesus, said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. What is new and what is old. Kind of like the hymns and the choruses, right? Best of both worlds. Offering, on the one hand, rich theology and a connection to those who have gone behind us. Or before us, I should say. And on the other hand, Expressing the heart cries of a new generation seeking after God. Best of both. A church, our church, must constantly be asking ourselves two things. One, are we staying faithful? And two, are we staying relevant? Relevant to reach this generation. Positioning ourselves to reach this generation for Jesus Christ, so that the First Baptist Church of Manchester can be here 200 years from now, if the Lord doesn't come back first. Amen? So, best of both worlds, the old and the new, holding on to that which can't let go of, and yet embracing change. Here we are. Ready to go forward, church? Wonderful to look behind. Wonderful to praise God for what we're, where we've been, what we've been able to accomplish, and look forward to say, God, what do you want to do with us and through us now? The First Baptist Church of Manchester. We're going to be here. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for, for moving upon that group of people that said, we need a church. We need a church in this area. A church that's holding on to these ancient paths. A church to be a light to this community. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for working it together that it would come to pass. And generation after generation, loving people, committed people, generation after generation, serving you, reaching out to the lost, discipling the saints. God, your hand of blessing on it all. Continue, Lord, to touch us. Continue, Lord, to move upon us to do your will and accomplish your purposes for our day and our time and the time to come. We give you the praise, we give you the honor, all the glory. Through Jesus we pray, all God's family say, amen and amen.